Good morning. Would you please rise, if you're able, as we read from God's Word. From Ephesians, the third chapter. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through him in faith. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, let's turn once again in God's Word to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll be looking at the last two verses of the chapter, verses 20 and 21. The church's focus. What is the church's focus? As we come to the end of Ephesians 3, we now, or soon, will embark on a journey that takes us through practical ways of living out all of the things that we've been learning, that rich theology we've been learning in the first three chapters of Ephesians. As we've said before, Ephesians is easily divided uh, into two parts. The first half is a doctrinal section where Paul walks us through so many rich truths. And then chapter 4 starts appropriately with the word therefore, in other words, in light of everything that I've said, this is what I want you all to do. And so it's the practical section or the application section uh, so that theology we should see is immensely practical. We don't just have Ephesians 1 through 3. We need to live out what we have learned there and thus 4 through 6. Living it out is not going to be easy. And so we need to be faithful to pray for one another. 
And over the past few weeks, we've looked at this second prayer of Paul's for the Ephesians. And we saw in that three ways we should pray. And, and so let's talk about those for just a minute in review. Pray for God to give each of us inner strength so that Christ will keep expanding His controlling influence in our hearts. So that's the first thing He has told us to pray. Pray for that inner strength, because we want to create an environment of yieldedness to the Lord Jesus, of an environment where we submit to Him and say, Lord, You are Lord, and I want You to have more influence in my heart. So let's pray that for one another. Second, pray that we will together grasp and experience the incomprehensible vastness of Christ's love. We took some time to look through how vast that love is, and it's just mind-blowing. It's like standing on one edge of the ocean and looking out over it and realizing that even though you can't tell how wide it is, you can tell that it is indeed vast because you can't see the other side. That's how wide is Christ's love. Pray that we would grasp that and experience it. And third, pray for our church that we would be thoroughly saturated with the fullness of God's character so that it's obvious that He dwells within. We want people to, when they are around us and see us, they see God within us, that they know that He is not only in our individual hearts, but He is among us as a church. Those are big prayers, and especially that last one, right? Rather bold. Did Paul go too far? Did he pray for something that God can't deliver? Can God actually answer those prayers? Well, Paul will leave us in no doubt as to whether God can indeed fulfill those prayers. But what he'll also do is make sure that we are focused on the right thing. Our focus is to be on God's glory. And so what we want to take away today is this. Focus on glorifying God in the church. Because he is able to answer every prayer. Focus on glorifying God in the church because He's able to answer every prayer showing that He is worthy of eternal praise. And and really, that's the point of it all. He works in the church not just for our sakes. He does work for our sake, but even more primary than that, He's working for His glory. And so we should also be working for His glory. So what if we as a church committed to pray for those three things that we just went over a minute ago from this second prayer of Paul's? What if we committed to praying regularly for those? Pray for one another for those. Pray for our church. What might happen if we committed ourselves to pray for those? God might just answer them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To actually see those things happening more than they already are happening. There's a lot of wonderful things that God is doing in our church and doing in us as individuals. But we don't we don't want to stop there. We don't want to say, okay, we got we got some pretty good things, and you know, and, and we don't want to go comparing ourselves. Well, we're we're ahead of this church over here, and we're doing better, so we're getting, no, we don't want to do. That. We always want to keep excelling more and more, as Peter and Paul both tell us. 
Bold prayers arise out of faith in our all-powerful God. If you're going to pray boldly like Paul did, it arises out of faith in our all-powerful God. You know, many things are impossible for men. But Jesus taught us that all things are possible with God. And so we should never fear to take a request to Him. It is not a matter of whether we have a great enough faith. What matters is whether we have a great enough God. And that is where our faith comes in. Remember, Jesus told us, you don't have to you know, wait until you've got this massive amount of faith before you can pray. You just have to have enough the size of a mustard seed, a tiny little seed you can barely see. And what that means is you trust in the all-powerful God. You may not have a lot of faith. That's not a problem for God because He is great enough to answer our prayers. So the first thing we want to look at as we dive in now to verses 20 and 21 is this. Direct our praise to God who is worthy. We should direct our praise to God who is worthy. Worthy, And let me read again um, what we just looked at a moment ago. Our brother read for us the last two verses here. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we saw uh, he, he tried in verse 1 of chapter 3 to start his prayer. He, got, he interrupted himself. And then in verse 14, he got back to it. And so he opened his prayer by turning to God. And now he comes back to God at the end of that prayer when he has this benediction written here. He term, comes back to God in praise. And that should be something that's instructive for us, just a little takeaway for us, that you don't have to praise God every time you pray, because if you're going to pray without ceasing, in other words, you're praying throughout the day, you're not necessarily going to have time to praise God every time. It's fine if you do. But that should be something that we regularly do. At least sometime during the day, when you turn to God in prayer, you also praise Him. So... It's not that you will praise Him every time you pray, but your prayer life must not be starved of praise. Lifting your soul to God in prayer should frequently lift you to heaven in praise. I mean, how can you pray to God without praising Him? How can you turn to Him as the one who is able without saying, Oh Lord, you are able. I come to you because you are able. You are the Almighty God. You are capable of doing anything that you desire to do. You are capable of answering any prayer that I lift to you. Thinking back to Paul's first prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 1, he prayed that they might come to better know the surpassing greatness of God's power. And so now in this doxology... He shows how God is worthy of praise because of that 
astonishingly great power. So he couldn't leave that alone. He keeps bringing up this idea of the power of God, and he does so again here in this doxology. And he says, okay, what I was praying for you to know, I'm going to give you a little bit more information and help you on that. I'm going to tell you what you need to know about God as I praise Him here at the end of my prayer. His power is astonishingly great. So, again, verse 20. Now, to Him who is able. Let's stop there. God is able. We're going to see that Paul's going to use three power words again that we've already seen, but he's going to use them again here in these two little verses. And the first one is here, the word able. It actually is from the word we've seen, the word for power, dunamis. We get dynamite from that, right? Because dynamite is what? It's potential power. It has the potential for power in it. Now, a stick of dynamite doesn't do anything until you ignite it, right? And so, but when you do, oh boy. Right. And and so that he, what he's talking about here, he's looking at God's power from different ways here, the potential of that power. So dunamis is potential power, ability to act, capable for the task at hand. And so when we pray to God, we're thinking in terms of God is capable. He's quite capable of answering that prayer. And so that's the able, the power that Paul here is talking about. Paul, he's, he's so filled with awe as he is lifting up this prayer to God and now this benediction, this praise to God. He's so filled with awe, awe that once again, he, he's moved to give us this over-the-top language. And so as I mentioned, he's going to, to use three words. Two of them are going to be the same, but th- three words for power... But then, and this is going to be really neat, we're going to look at now. Twice, he's going to use a Greek preposition here. And so I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson. And normally I don't make you go through all of this, but this is really cool. And this would be something that would be easy to remember, okay? And and so as you pray to God, you can, whether you you say the Greek, at least you have in your mind what Paul was talking about, right? You You can pray to God in English. He uses this Greek preposition, huper, because he does it twice, because he's grappling for language that would do justice to God's ability to answer prayer. So is God able to answer those three bold prayers that I made? And so he's going to say, huper, huper. So for the, this, these Greek hearers of this letter, as it's being read, they would hear that, huper, huper, and they would, they were like, oh my. You're saying God really is able, okay? So I'm going to show you what they would have thought as they heard that. We get our word hyper from the Greek word huper. Now, yes, I know, you know, you know well, they're, that person's really hyper. You know, they had too much coffee. Well, that's tied into that, but that's not quite. That, that means that their, the, their internal activity and their external is, is over the top, and that's huper. But think here more hyperactive. Or even better, hypersonic. Hypersonic means that something is able to move at least five times or greater the speed of sound. Okay, that's pretty fast. Okay, hypersonic. It's way over the top. It's way beyond, you know, sonic speed of sound, which is fast because you're hearing me and you can't really, there's not a, a lag there. It's like, you know, sometimes, you know, in your, your computer or something you're listening to, 
uh, a podcast or song and there's a little lag in there. Well, right now, there, there's not a lag. The speed of sound is so fast. And hypersonic means it's at least five times that fast. Hyper, or hooper in Greek. The standard Greek lexicon, Bauer, Gingrich, Danker, uh, says that in the, the way that Huppert is used here, it has the sense of excelling, surpassing over and above. It's not just plain surpassing, but surpassing over and above, beyond, more than. But you see, one Huppert was not enough for Paul. As he's trying to say, okay, you want to know if God is able to answer those three bold requests that I made? And he says, Huppert. I mean, he said, well, that's still not enough. So then what he does next is he picks a word that starts with the preposition hooper. Okay, so as uh, we do this in English too, but you can add prepositions to the front of a word in order to maybe intensify it, for example. And that's what this, what happens here. So this word hooper et parasu, you don't need to remember that um, if you don't want to. But that word, again, that's the second hooper, means quite beyond all measure. Again, the Bauer lexicon. And it is the highest form of comparison imaginable, they said. And that's how it was used. So, not only is there that one hooper standing by itself, that's basically way over and beyond, but then he throws this other word in there with another hooper on it. And that word means, it refers to that which is the highest form of comparison imaginable. It means to go far in excess beyond. You see, so there's, he's just piling up these words. We're going to come back to these power words in a minute, but before we get there, just the, the hoop air and how he piles those up and to show that, okay, you know, it, it doesn't do justice to just say, yes, God can answer the prayers. For Paul, that, that just didn't cut it. He's, he's like, because God's power is, is over the top from our perspective, that I need language that goes over the top too. And so put all that together, Huper and then the Huper ek persu, putting it together, Paul prays to God who is able to do more than everything very far in excess. But in excess of what? Well, let's go back to verse 20. Now to him who is able... To do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. So God is able to go far beyond what we can ask, what we might ask. And then he, and Paul goes even beyond that. You see, how, hey, you just, you know, with his language. What you even, what do you, you can imagine. So think of the biggest prayer you can pray to God and, and, and God can go beyond that. That's what he's trying to get at. So Paul made these bold requests, and so it's fitting that he point out that God is quite capable of answering them. In fact, God is able to do even more than what was asked, and even more than we might imagine. We must never doubt God's ability to answer our prayers. And so on the slide, you, have, you can see there that so the, the, the bow and arrow together is, if you will, God answering our prayers. Can he answer our prayers? Can that... That arrow hit the target of our prayers. And so the first target there is our prayers. And then next to it is, you know, just what can you imagine? Which goes beyond what we're asking for, right? 
And so he's saying that God can go way beyond even that, in far in excess of that. So you can think of the biggest prayer request you can come up with, and God can do far beyond that. And that's, that's the idea there. So you can kind of get this in your minds when you pray. You should never think, well, Lord, you know, I got a prayer request for you. But, you know, I don't even know if you can do that. Don't ever say that. You should never say that. Picture this in your mind. Lord, I've got a pretty big prayer request. And from what Paul told us, you not only can do that, but you can go way beyond that. And so Paul prayed these big prayers, these bold prayers. And that's what we ought to. That's, that's why I'm encouraging us to commit ourselves to those three requests, which you now all have in the slides that I emailed you this morning. So you've got them. And if you don't have them, let me know if you're not on our email. And I'll get them to you. We should commit to praying those big prayers, those bold prayers, because our God can't answer that. He can answer them. And with Paul, we want him to answer those. We want Him to do those works in us and in our church. Now, coming back to those power words. So we saw the first one, able, which was dunamis. Now we see the second and third power words in this doxology. Again, verse 20. Now to Him who is able, there's the first one, to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power, okay, there's the second one, that works, the word works, is the third one that works within us. So that word power is dunamis, so it's he used it, which was translated able, now it's translated just power. There's that potential power. But this power is not just sitting there. It is actually working. Present tense works. It is working in us. Okay, We've seen that word for power already as well. It's the word energeo. We get energy from that. Energetic and words like that. See, it is actually working. So energy, so the, the energy that's going from the power company through the lines, you know, to our lights, the sound system and all. It's actually working. It's not just power that's sitting there in a battery somewhere. It is power that is actually, you know, flowing and working. It's doing its work. It's making these lights come on and, and the projectors work and everything, the screens and all this. God's power is currently at work in us. It is active power, power at work. And the power he's talking about here, we saw in verse 16, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts and in our church. The certainty of God working within us provides solid ground on which to kneel in prayer. When you kneel to pray, or you might sit to pray, or you're standing, the ground that you're on is the certainty that God can answer. You see, that is, that's what Paul's trying to, to get across to us. It is not possible to ask too much from God. No request is beyond His ability. Now, it may be outside of His will. You know, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, according to my will, and you know, according to the Father's will. But that request, that request is not too big for him. And his answer might be no, because that's not that would not be good for you. So, no. 
but it's not outside of his power. Okay. And so Paul wants us not <clears throat> to come doubting to God. And there's a place for, like the man, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. An unbelief, there's an unbelief that says, Lord, my faith is not very strong, but I know that you are quite capable of answering these prayers. I have no idea how you're going to make this happen, but I know you can. And so it's to you that I pray. It's to you that I lift up these requests. That's not the same as a, a sinful doubting. That says, Lord, you know, I just really don't think you can do this. That's sinful. You might say, well, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you can. Second, let us focus our praise on bringing glory to God. This is our focus, bringing glory to God. And we have to always keep reorienting ourselves, right? You know, Isaiah talks about, you know, God says there that, you know, you were created for my glory. That's why we exist, for God's glory. And we have to keep bringing ourselves back to that and recentering ourselves. So let us focus our praise on bringing glory to God. Uh, looking at the first part of verse 21. To Him be the glory. So what Paul is saying is that to that one I just described in verse 20, to that one be the glory. You see, so he starts saying, you know, now to Him, but then he says, I need to tell you about the Him I'm lifting up prayer to the one who's able. And then he comes back and says, now to that one I was just describing be the glory. His glory again, it's his radiant splendor. Because God is able to answer any of these requests we bring to him. And he's able to go far beyond, even far in excess of what we ask. Or of what we can even imagine. Therefore, he is worthy of great praise. See, the true believer, which I hope is you and me. The true believer desires that God's glory will radiate from the church. Showing off God's magnificent character. That's what we should want. Not that, oh, Lord, you know, just you know, build us in this huge church or, or this or that. Lord, bring glory to yourself through our church. As you know, we talked about last time with God filling us and his glory emanating out brilliantly. We want that. That should be our focus now. And it will be our focus for all eternity. For all eternity, that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be bringing glory to God. We'll just do it perfectly then. Right now, we do it uh, in quite broken ways. We try and, and God helps us and we do. We get better and better. And then we will do it perfectly and with whole hearts. Okay, and let's skip to the end of verse 21. So he says, now to him be the glory. And he says, to all generations forever and ever, amen. There's going to be no end to God's praise in eternity. Forever and ever, Lord, may your praise come to you from us. And then Paul gives this amen there. It confirms that what he said, what he just said is true. That's what amen is. So whenever, you know, someone's preaching and you say amen, that, that or if they read scripture and you say amen, what you're saying is that's true. You know, I, I recognize that is true. 
And and that's what Paul does here. He amens his own words to say what I just told you is true. So where then is God's glory going to be revealed? And that's what takes us to our third point. Realize that God is being glorified in Christ and his church. Realize that God is being glorified in Christ and in his church. So again, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The church is where God's glory is is centered in this age. The, The government is a minister. Of God. That's not primarily where his glory is being done. Being revealed. It is in the church. That's his primary uh, instrument. For bringing glory to himself right now. And it will be his primary instrument in eternity. Remember he's going to bring all believers from all the ages together. He's making us all into this big spiritual house. This holy temple. And he's going to dwell in the midst of it. And from the midst of that his glory will emanate. And and so it will still be that. Throughout eternity. See God is performing a glorious work in what he's doing in the church. He's bringing together formerly hostile people. And you can look at it from all different perspectives. You could look at it, you know, like with the religious and all with the Jews and Gentiles, but we're all different in many different ways. And he's brought us together and knit us together being built into a loving temple in which God dwells. As God builds his temple out of formerly hostile people. Making them into one new spiritual house for himself. And as he perfects us, his glory will burst brilliantly from our midst, from the midst of his church. Now and throughout all eternity. Now, not quite as perfectly as it will be one day. But he still wants his glory to emanate from the church, our church, the church around the world, in the church in the coming ages, however long until he comes back. He wants his glory to to burst brilliantly from our midst. Because what he's saying first is that God is glorified in Jesus' body, the church. But he also says that... He's bringing this glory, not just through the body, but through the head of the body. That is, the the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, Paul's developing that idea. He told us back in chapter 1 at the end, Christ is the head of the body, the church. Okay? The, The fullness of Him who fills all in all. So, there's that idea of bringing the fullness of God in as well. And, and so he's saying, in the head of the body and the body as well, God is bringing glory to himself. Now, part of what he's meaning here about Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, is that that's why he can bring himself glory through us. Because, I mean, if you're honest, you know where you and I came from. You know what we are by ourselves apart from Christ. There's no way on our own we could ever bring any glory to God. 
But it is in Christ that we are able to bring glory to God. Because, praise the Lord, we're in Him. We're in Christ Jesus. All the work that He did made it possible for God to bring glory to Himself through our church, for example. Through the work of Christ Jesus. Well, this doxology is a fitting conclusion to the doctrinal section of Ephesians. Next week, we'll, Lord willing, turn to the application section beginning in chapter 4. So let us be faithful to pray those three prayers I went back over at the beginning. Remember that God is able to answer every one of those prayers. His great power shows that He's worthy of eternal praise for us forever and ever to praise Him and bring Him glory. He is worthy of that. And so let's make our focus bringing glory to God in our lives and in our church's life.